0: Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. McKee gets it in
1: the middle. They play together, they believe. Um, if there's Levert, it's cold. Levert, back in. Speed. Oh,
0: he's a one-man wrecking crew! Holiday. shot clock down to six, finds one. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Corn Roast Podcast. This is your host, Mark Schindler. A little bit different episode set up today. We're going to jump right into a segment that I actually just recorded uh, yesterday in a a small interview with Miles Turner. So we'll kick right into that and I'll be back for a couple more things right after.
1: Yo, what's up, Miles? How are you doing, man? What's going on, brother?
0: Not much, man. I can't complain. Uh, Happy early birthday, by the way. Your birthday is tomorrow, right? It is,
1: man. I appreciate that. Yeah, dude, of course. You got any big plans lined up for it? Got a game tomorrow, bro. So there's only so much you can do, right? <laughs> no, definitely, man. Bring it i get a dub. Like be the best way I can, uh, can bring it in.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Well, I, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, so I'm really excited to kind of dive into this. Uh, I, you know, I, I haven't really gotten to cover uh, any kind of contests like this. And the first thing I wanted to ask you is what made you want to get involved with this? Obviously, Mountain Dew kicking on the court. Um, really cool opportunity for for fans to, to get a chance to uh, get to design sneakers with you.
1: Yeah, man. So I've had a partnership and relationship with Mountain for the past five, six years now. And um, every year here in Indianapolis, we take it very seriously uh, with fan interaction. You know, I have a chance to get out here and, you know, meet with hundreds of fans each year, year in and year out, just to put myself out there and have people um, know what it's like to have a day in the life, I would say. You know, give people a a behind-the-scenes look at what it's like to be me. And, you know, with post-COVID and everything, post-shutdown, I haven't really been able to do much or anything of that area. So we had to get real creative here. And um, this is the best way I can do it. You know, I think just, um, you know, through following all the safety, you know, guidelines and whatnot, this is the easiest way for me to do it. And I wanted to present something to the fans and let them know that I'm still thinking about them.
0: Yeah, no doubt. That's cool. And one, one of the things that I really like as well, um, obviously whoever wins the contest gets to help you design the sneaker and they get a pair of the sneakers as well. But Mountain Dew is also donating uh, pairs of shoes to, to eight, Public uh, basketball teams in the area as well, uh, mm-hmm. which is a great way to give back. So I, I really appreciate that as well. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you too. I know you're kind of a big sneakerhead, obviously, which is why you're doing this. Um, I know you're kind of a man accustomed with yours. I mean, you wear the Kobe Proto Fives a lot. Uh, used to wear the PGs. Uh, actually, I remember there was a game. I think it was two years ago. You switched up your shoes at halftime. I can't remember which game. I think it was a Thunder game. Um, okay. But what was the? Uh, what was like the first pair of shoes you ever thought, man? I really want to get these.
1: Wow, that's a good question. Um, I think that, you know, just do you mean just like in high school or being in the league or just like – Yeah, whenever,
0: man. I mean, league league for sure.
1: Um, I think that when I was in high school, I never really had a chance to get any Jordans because, you know, I wore a size – I've been wearing a size 18 since I was 15 (laughs) years old. So Makes it hard to find them, yeah. Yeah, there's only so much you could do, man. I um, I remember I got my first pair of quote-unquote Jordans. I went to Ross, and um, they were fake Jordans. And people let me hear it for the longest <laughs> time. So it's like it turned me off the Jordan's. I never wanted to wear them ever again. But I, I really wanted a pair of ones and, uh, you know, or the you know high top ones. When I first got a pair of the league, I got a, a pair of the Shattered Backboards. And that was like a big deal to me just having my first real pair of Jordans in a sense, you know. So I think those are the first pair of shoes I actually wanted, like just, like just wanted to have
0: yeah for sure uh so how do you feel about the difference between mids and highs or, or lows and highs i know you normally wear lows in game but how do you feel like i, I know a lot of guys don't necessarily go high but
1: yeah i, I mean i wore highs in high school but in in some in no i swear the college wear lows i think i just started wearing lows because like um you know there's obviously an obsession with you know, anybody who's like six nine and above wants to just you know at heart wants to be a guard yeah and um in college, it's kind of where that obsession started for me. I started wearing low top, started doing more of the guard workouts in the sits, and I just never really went back ever since uh, Ever since that moment. So I think lows are just more comfortable. They're more um, – I think they're more – or um, uh, have more – I can move better in them for lack yeah. of a better word.
0: Yeah, and they don't crease as much too, which is much nicer off court. But I remember the first time I got a pair of Air Force Ones, I creased the heck out of those things, and it was a, it was a shame. Um so, in going into the contest, then, what are you? What, I know you're obviously part of the de, the design panel, choosing who wins. Uh, what are you looking for in in the shoe designs that come in?
1: Originality. That's one thing I, I definitely want to preach. Uh, there's not really one thing you can put in there to wow me. Nothing from like my personal life. Nothing from a stats. Nothing. Like I just want to see originality. I want to see people go out there, and really give it their all. You know, not just putting those slop together. Like I really, I'm really curious to see what people come up with and I'm, I'm, I'm I want to have a lot of fun with this. You know, I want to make sure it's something that fans know that I'm not just you know, doing it just to do it. Like I really care about this kind of thing, you know, so look forward to it.
0: Yeah, definitely. I even mentioned it. I mean, you're wearing them on court, so they're going to be, there's a chance for some major flair here, man. Most definitely. Yeah. Well, Miles, I, I really appreciate you taking the time, man. You have a good rest of your day and obviously have a, have an awesome birthday tomorrow.
1: Okay, I appreciate you, man.
0: Yeah, no problem. See ya. So first of all, major thanks to Miles for taking the time. It was, uh, it was great to talk with him for a little bit, uh, pick his brain on sneakers. Uh, so if you guys are, just to give you some more awareness of the contest that's going on, it's a really cool thing sponsored by Mountain Dew. Obviously, Mountain Dew sponsors uh, Miles. It is called Kick It on the Court with Miles Turner. So it gives you the opportunity to send in your fan design. You have from March 24th to April 7th to send in designs to do Kick It on the Court Dot com that's dew kick it on the court.com I'll have links down below and obviously on Indy corners as well uh, you you can sign gosh you can submit custom shoe design uh, a custom shoe design into the judging panel which will be miles and Cer- Cerato, uh who is a noted uh, shoe designer actually just made some really awesome custom stuff for uh, Ronnie and Bryce James that uh, you should check out he has some really cool videos on YouTube as well. But the cool thing about this is you're designing a shoe for Miles to wear in game. And if you get chosen, you get to help him and Cerato with designing the shoe and you, you get a free pair of the shoe. uh, If you end up winning, they're also giving out a couple of free jerseys. uh, I believe five, yes, five, five jerseys to people who submit designs. Um, And my favorite part is that they Mountain Dew uh, along with, with Miles is, is teaming up to donate, some sneakers to to eight Indianapolis public school basketball teams to assist their game and and fuel their bold presence on the court, which is from the press release. Um, so I really like that aspect. Miles is is pretty cool about giving back to the community. Obviously, did some great stuff uh, in his home state of Texas with the un- unfortunate uh, natural disasters that happened there. Um, but regardless, this is a really cool thing. Uh, if you get a chance, you should definitely participate. So of course, go check that out again. That's kick it on the court it's through Mountain Dew and Miles Turner. More information will be up on Indy Cornrows, and there will be links to the website there as well. Uh, so without further ado, we're going to talk about the Bucks game, a game in which Miles uh, sat out because he was injured, as did Malcolm Brogdon. Um, I, I don't have a ton that I want to add, just a couple of quick hitters that I think are important after my rewatch this morning. Um, number one, I'm not entirely sure why T.J. McConnell didn't start the game. It felt like T.J. McConnell should have started the game and became kind of apparent when he got subbed in very quickly. Uh, obviously just a terrible game all around 3 to 11 run to start off um was down 3 to 19 after that uh let up 48 points in the first quarter uh 80 points in the first half it just was not uh defensively i think it, this is the real crux, crux of the matter I, I pointed this out with some film on 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 my twitter um the the issue And there's uh, more that I'm going to talk about in terms of of both Domas and Miles and the way that we talk about them in a bit, because that's kind of of my biggest takeaway from this. But um, the problem with last night, it really felt like was, A, I mean, you could tell it was seventh game in 11 days, uh, third game in four nights, uh, back to back, you know, it it showed through. Still not an an excuse for how they played, but point being that just the energy was not there. Uh, But the main point, with uh with miles out they didn't really change the defensive scheme at least not to start and it really hurt them uh they were trying to play domas the way that they use miles and it just doesn't work because that's not that domas is a bad defender it's just that domas is not miles turner uh putting him in a situation that isn't something that he's great at is is rough um And you saw that early on. They they didn't switch out of it until midway through the first quarter, and they still went back to it throughout the game. So basically playing him at center field, the idea of that is um, it's almost like it's not quite hedging on a pick and roll, but it's in between uh, trapping or hedging uh, and full-on dropping. So like you see Miles do a lot, he can play a a pick and roll two-on-one because he's so good and he's got the length. He has the athleticism. He has the awareness. He's capable of defending a two-on-one pretty well unless there's you know a really great lob threat. Domas doesn't have that. He doesn't have the verticality. He doesn't have the length. Um, it's just asking a lot for him to try and do that. And not only is it asking a lot of him, it's asking the wrong thing of him because he, he can't play that way. And we saw, I mean, Brook Lopez had three, I think he had three dunks just in the first quarter. Uh, there was a fourth dunk that got wiped away. It was either first first quarter or first half. Regardless, I, I point this out. Brook Lopez was in here, have thirty dunks on the year, and he had almost four or five last night. Um, Brook Lopez is not a routine lob threat, but a lot of that is he's somebody who, if against Miles, not a lob threat because Miles can can take that away. Uh, considering that Brooke doesn't really get that much oomph off the ground, but um, Domash just can't contest that. And you, they saw you know he sh- he shifted a little bit more towards drop. What I would really like to see. This this is my overall point. I know I'm rambling a little bit, but I would really like to see in situations when it's just Domas on the court, even if Miles is is there. Like I mean, if Miles is in the game, but he's he's off court, and it's a, a Domas only lineup, or if Miles isn't in a game for some reason, and Domas is the only center, I just want to see them maybe experiment a little bit more with running full drop. I know that Domas is not a traditional rim protector. Um, really not a great rim protector in, in a lot of regards. Uh, but I think at the same time, when you have only Domas out there and there's no one who can rotate weak side or, or help at the rim to really contest anything, I think you have to, to look at experimenting with that. And we've seen that with Portland. I think Portland is the main um, response I would bring up to this. This is not to say that Domas is as bad of a defender as Enes Cantor, but he has similar issues. His feet are a lot better. He's more slightly more mobile on the perimeter. He can, he can hang out there a little bit, um, but he doesn't have verticality. He doesn't have supreme length and athleticism to really be a shot blocker. Um, but you take away a lot of easy stuff at the rim just by getting a body on a on, on center who rolls. And that's what Portland does. They're great. at it, it, It's a very, very steep drop, but it just takes away a lot of that lob threat ability, and you force teams to be good at hitting pull-up shots or floaters. And, you know, a team like the Bucks probably capable of hitting those. Chris Middleton was fantastic last night. Uh, a lot of teams will have guys who can do that, but it's a much harder shot than something right at the rim. So that's just something that I would like to see change. I don't know if we're going to see it because we're 40 games in and it hasn't changed yet. Um, but regardless, I mean, it's just, um, I think a lot of people were pointing that at, at Domas and really it's not his fault. I mean, that's what he's being asked to do. He's being asked to try and play a pick-and-roll two-on-one, and he can't. He's just not that level of defender or athlete. Um, it's, you know, know your personnel, know your role. Uh, I mean, know their roles and what they can and can't do. And it just felt like that wasn't there last night. And there, there have been a lot of circumstances of that throughout the year. Um, other things throughout the game, I mean, I think Tony East pointed this out on Twitter, uh, if you just have a discrepancy from, you know, that you, the bucks drop off from shooting instead of 60 or 70% from three, they shoot like 40% from three. It's a, uh, almost a single digit game, which that doesn't make it really that much better. But point being, I mean, the bucks were just hitting some shots that were, um, like Pat Connaughton hit crazily contested shots. They were 10 of 11 on their first, first 11 threes, which is just absurd, um Drew Holiday was probably the best player in the game yesterday. Just an absolute nightmare on both ends for the Pacers. They had no one who could guard him. Um, no one who could not be guarded by him, too. Um Karis Levert really struggled, especially defensively yesterday, and that showed through. Um he could not hang with Chris Middleton. There were a couple of possessions where he did, but he just he looked really tired. He looked like somebody who doesn't have his legs under him yet. And that makes sense. He's played, I think, what, four or five games now. Um, he's still getting back to it, so it's going to take time. But regardless, um, you saw a lot of the lack of size, you saw a lot of the lack of length, and you just saw missing Hamas. I mean, you saw missing Progden and, and, and Miles, but point being, I, it just felt like schematically things could have really been changed up or done differently, and the Pacers kind of shot themselves in the foot that way. Uh, but it is worth noting how well the Bucks shot, and that that's I'd like to say it's not likely again, but they shot close to that well in the first game of the season. Um, they play a third game in April, April or May. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I know that they play a third game. Uh, hopefully, they will not shoot the lights out again, uh, but it's, it's entirely possible. They have a lot of really good shooters, but also a lot of the shots that the Bucks got were just wide open. Uh, the rotations were not good defensively. Uh, still, a lot of a lot of times we're in scramble. Like the the Pacers will be good at containing the first or second action, but then it's the action after that. You have two guys who dart to the first or second action instead of The communication is just all over the place. Um, and I don't think it gets just chalked up to not having miles out there. Miles is a great, great backline communicator and overall rim protector, but the communication and the perimeter defense is just so rough right now. And I think even with miles in the game yesterday, is it different for sure? Um, I think that they get a lot less of easier looks at the rim, but at the same time, You're still playing a double big lineup against one of the better spacing lineups in the NBA. And your communication and point of attack defense is bad. I mean, frankly, the Pacers just get beat at the point of attack routinely. Uh, I mean, TJ McConnell tries his best, but asking him to defend Drew Holiday is is a lot. Um, And not that he guarded Drew Holiday the whole game or anything, but still... Uh, the team just really is lacking a lot of that point of attack defense. And it's one of the areas where you see them missing TJ Warren. Again, it's not just missing guys, but it's with the brand of defense that they're playing, And instead of funneling things to a to a rim protector, they're, the aggression and the way that they're playing just opens up a lot of easy drives to the rim, especially because they don't communicate well. Like, I think that's the end. We're going to talk more about communication a little bit, Um I just think that that's, that's something that keeps being highlighted in watching this team. Uh, I, I mean, a lot of miscues just happen. Off ball, there were probably six or seven back cuts that um, have become a little bit more customary, unfortunately. Stuff that we didn't used to see as much last year. I mean, there's obviously always the odd back cut that gets somebody, but um, it's just uh, a lot of things going wrong communication wise and uh, over helping on the defensive side that that I, I hope will will get ironed out, but at the same time it's uh it it's just weird because with how well they played against Miami for it to revert a little bit. And I think part of it too is just some poor shooting by Miami, uh not to take away the the two victories, but that does factor into it. Um but anyways we're gonna take a quick break before we come back and talk about uh some some things that happen off court that are worth noting or at least worth talking about. All right, welcome back, Pacers fans. So uh, first thing that I want to dive into um, in talking about some of the off-court stuff, obviously a report dropped today from from Vincent Goodwill over at Yahoo Sports, uh, great reporter. I've never talked to him personally, but he does really good work, and I know that he's pretty ho- highly regarded, um, that the Pacers are listening to calls on Damanis Savonis. I mean, that are list- they're listening to calls on Malcolm Brogdon and uh, gauging the interest of Damanis Savonis. Um, I believe was the wording or something, something right around there, uh, seeking the interest, um, regardless point being they're taking calls on both guys. Um, I'm not going to refute his reporting. I'm sure that he has credible sources, but the point being, I think there was a lot made out of this today. They're going to listen to calls. Uh, Kevin Pritchard just said in press conferences, they listen to calls on pretty much anyone. um, that's their job it's their job to listen to calls and i know you know some friends brought up to me today well why would they listen to calls on domas again it's their job it, you have to gauge every deal see what people think see what they say um i don't know if this means anything long term in terms of brogdon and sabonis i would say that i think brogdon is i mean he's highly highly regarded by, by the by the front office by the community Um, I, I don't know how much stuff that actually, how much of that actually factors into front office decision making, but regardless, I mean, Malcolm brings a lot in terms of what he does on court. Um, he's locked up on a pretty team friendly deal. And I mean, he's, you could argue that he's the best player on the Pacers right now. Uh, it just depends how you view basketball. Don't, don't shoot me for saying that. Uh, but I mean, there, there's always a debate to be had there. Um, and with Domas, I mean, I don't know. It's, I, I think it's the same thing. They're just they're listening to calls. It doesn't mean that they're looking and shopping them. I know a lot of aggregation took place today saying the Pacers are shopping Malcolm Brogdon and Sabonis. I, I saw a lot of people uh, from other teams uh, who cover other teams, I should say, pointing out, well, hey, if Brogdon's available, let's go get him. I don't think this means that Brogdon or Sabonis are available. It just means that they're listening to calls if people send. I mean, if people call in about them, like, you know, that doesn't mean that they're going to accept any offer or there's anything substantive coming out of it. But, um, so just try and have a level head looking at that or listening to that because I know stuff's going to keep coming out with that until we're past the trade deadline on the 25th. Um, but I mean, I would also say too, where there's smoke, there's fire. Uh, stuff has come out from the athletic in, uh, Charlotte's interest in Miles Turner, um, Overall, I mean, I'm going to talk more about trades tomorrow. Uh, you guys sent in some great fake trades and uh, just ideas for things uh, that I'll dive into and talk about. Um, but I just don't think that this team is going to make any kind of massive move right now after the Levert deal. Again, I could be wrong. Um, I'm not just trying to refute exactly what I said, but I mean, this team does not routinely make moves like that. Um more than once in a season that, that's just i mean that's a huge shift to go from and, and we saw it. we've seen it in the record we've seen it in the team trying to figure each other out again with karis back on court and when victor was gone and karis wasn't on court um there was a lot of a feeling out process there uh this team just doesn't make moves like that often but again it's a really weird year the team is not playing awesome so i could see why they would make a move but at the same time um they're not just going to trade a player for the sake of trading a player. I think they really want to see this group perform together in the playoffs. And by group, I mean the entire starting five along with the bench. Um, maybe there's room to, for, for things to tinker around on the bench. Um, I think if there is any kind of move, it would be for, for some, some a, a rotation forward or wing. Um, somebody who's got more size that can shoot or do anything offensively that, that, that can get playing time. Um, So a player who would play above Jakar Sampson but wouldn't be, you know, a starting level player. Um, so think like Kenrich Williams, somebody like that from Oklahoma City. Who, he's actually a really good player. Um, or I guess some people get on me for saying really good. He's really good in his role. I'll, I'll put it that way. But I, I enjoy watching him play. Uh, if anybody is unfamiliar with him, hit me up. I'll send you a couple clips and tell you why I like him. Um, but point being, I don't think that the Pacers are going to make any kind of move. I would be surprised if Miles Turner – uh, gets moved by the deadline. I would be surprised, to, especially if Domas gets moved. And that's not to say that I think one is better than the other. Um, that's just based on, you know, we're, we've heard a lot about the potential of Miles getting moved for a long time now. We haven't heard that much on Domas getting moved. So it just, um, in terms of rumors and stuff being drummed up, that's uh, that's where we're at with that. Um, I would actually say it's less likely that Brogdon gets moved than either the centers gets moved just based on team construction and, and how that's working out. Um, the last thing I want to talk about before we shift to a couple other things, uh, the centers. This is just getting to a point where it's a, it's really frustrating, and I was talking to a couple people about this today. Um, it's at the point where on Twitter you can't mention Miles or Domas without fans of, of one another coming out from the woodwork and tearing you apart for – and this is not me trying to like – say, oh, what was me? But I just see this in general. Like somebody will bring up Sabonis or or Turner in my mentions and then people get on them for it. It's, there's gotta be some kind of middle ground where we can talk about each guy and recognize, hey, each guy has has his negatives to him or I shouldn't even just say negatives. Like each guy has things that he's not good at. That's just fair. And each guy has things that they're better at than the other. That doesn't mean that I think one is necessarily better than the other. I mean, you could of course say, Domas is the all-star, but then Miles' defensive impact is massive. He's a defensive player of the year candidate for a reason. Um, the way that we talk about both guys can be just kind of putrid in a lot of ways. Um, I don't like the way that people talk about Sabonis and say, that oh, he's just a black hole because it's just not true. I don't like when people say that Miles Turner is soft because that's also not true. Um, there's just There's got to be middle ground on this, and I think that collectively – We could do a lot better uh, in terms of the way we talk about them um, in the general sphere, because I think it's important to be critical without obviously being harsh, but it's also important to be able to recognize, Hey, sometimes this guy just isn't good at something and that's fair to talk about. And it's worth talking about. Um, So I I just wanted to, to add that up. I don't know if that'll actually bring more levity to things, but hopefully it can because It's just a little frustrating, Uh, and there's basketball is fun. It's about joy, as a a friend of mine likes to say, and that's just the truth of it. I enjoy the things that Miles and Domas both do well, and point out when they don't do things well, Um, because that's fair. That's 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 what I'm here to do. I'm not here to be a fan. I'm not here to just. Sing somebody's praises or, or talk one down. I, I, I'm here to try and be biased. I mean, unbi—gosh, I'm here to try and be unbiased and just be uh, um, trying to provide some some decent coverage of the, better. I mean, I'd like to provide great coverage of the team, and I try to. But you get the point. Um, if you ever think that I'm being biased or unfair, I will hear gladly hear you out because I, I I'm gonna get better by 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 hearing back from you. I, I strive really hard to be good at this. Um, but my point being. There just has to be a better way that we talk about it, and um, if I can start some of that in some way, please let me know because that's uh that's my goal. So another quick thing that I want to hit on: um, Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer on his podcast, a mismatch today, uh, mentioned that he's hearing players are frustrated uh, or upset with with Nate Bjorken or, or dislike him, um, and I don't know what to make of that. I I don't. I mean, again, Kevin O'Connor, is somebody who is certainly a trusted. Um, NBA insider. Um, I don't know what to make of that. I haven't, you know, I frankly haven't heard anything in those lines, but I would also point out the team is playing a lot worse than I think they expected to, uh, especially after the start of the year that they had. Um, so I would get if players are frustrated. Um, but at the same time, I'm not really sure what to make of that. I don't want to comment on it anymore until uh, unless anything else comes out. But there's always potential for things going on that we're not we're not seeing, you know, we're not there. We're not in the locker room. We're not around them day in, day out. We don't necessarily know what's going on behind closed doors. So um, I'm not entirely sure what to make of it. Right now, uh, that hasn't been necessarily corroborated by anyone. Nobody's come out or said anything about it. I haven't seen anything about it from from the start. Um, so until we see more on it, I just it's on the back burner for me uh, because, you know, the information comes and goes. We'll see if anything else comes out of it. Um, so the last thing I want to hit on, obviously, uh, the Pacers play the Detroit Pistons tomorrow night. I will be doing a, a post game podcast with Lazarus Jackson over from Detroit Bad Boys and, and Detroit versus everybody. Um, but I, I do want to point out a couple things to watch for. If you haven't been seeing any of the Pistons, I've watched quite a few of their games recently. Um, there are some awesome things to check out with them. I know that they're not a great team, but they're just fun things to point out. I, I think it'll be a good matchup we saw last game. A good opportunity for the Pacers to get a win and try and climb up a little bit higher in the playoff standings um, or into the playoff standings, I should say. Uh, but regardless, uh, number one thing, Isaiah Stewart is starting to shoot jump shots, and he's looking really confident with them. He was not a guy who – I mean, he was somebody who I think was expected to be a shooter later on in his career maybe, but he's starting to take and make stuff from a free throw line out to three. Uh, not a ton, but he's doing it like enough where it's worth noting and, and talking about. Um, he's just an awesome, awesome energy player, really fun to watch. Um, he's taken on a much larger role as the season has gone on, uh, even started a few games here and there. So, uh, it'll be interesting to watch him, uh, and how he matches up with the Pacers front court coming off the bench. Uh, Mason Plumley has continued to be pretty good. I mean, just looking at stats right now, 10, 10 and four, uh, one of the better passing bigs in the league. I know not exactly like the most aesthetically pleasing player on the, on the face of the planet, but um, there are fun things to watch with him. Uh, Some of this been noted, Jeremy Grant's play has fallen off a little bit. I just would want to add to that. uh, Blake Griffin is gone. uh, And Blake Griffin was, he still had gravity as a shooter, even though he wasn't shooting well, he still had gravity. His playmaking was huge. Most my point being Jeremy Grant was, The focal point of the defense, like of of what the defense was honing in on, but also uh, Jeremy Grant has lost a lot of the guys around him who were uh, taking some of the load off. So I think some of it has been statistical regression, but also just, I mean, he's being asked to be the number one option with lesser talent around him. And I still think he's been pretty solid. He is going to probably give the Pacers a pretty, pretty tough go of it tomorrow. I would expect Um, he didn't have a great game in the first game. Uh, he's a very capable scorer, very solid defender. Uh, I'm interested to see what he does. I mean, he's still playing really, really well um, on both ends. So uh, definitely going to be one of the harder matchups. Frank Jackson's been, been getting a lot of time, too. We actually just had, a, I think it was a 28-29 point game right around there uh, against Toronto, which was... An unexpectedly barn burner game against the Raptors, which is not great for the Raptors. Again, this uh, this team has been scrappy, but they're not that good. Um, Dennis Smith Jr. continues to be kind of fun to watch. Um, he's not been fantastic, but like he's been a lot better than he looked in, in New York. So hopeful signs for him based on reporting out of there. I, I mean, he's not somebody who I think they view as uh, a guy moving forward for them. But uh, point being... Oh, last thing I would say too, Sadiq Bey, really fun player, really good wing, a good defender, shoots the ball well. Um, Obviously, he won Eastern Conference Player of the Week not too long ago, um, which I think surprised a lot of people, Um, but he is now shooting above 40% from the field. He was shooting better from three than from the field to start the year, if I remember correctly, and now... That is not the case. Uh, shooting 40.4, 38.6, 87.8. So, uh, but just a really strong combo forward who, who does some cool stuff. I really like their team moving forward. Um, Josh Jackson, his three ball is gone, but he's been great at driving. Um, I, I promise I'm going to end this shortly, but I, I just think there's there will be some fun things to watch uh, with this Detroit team tomorrow. I'm interested to see. Um, how the guards play, because I think they have a good opportunity to perform well. DeLon Wright's a fine defender, but he's not great at the point of attack. He's more of a better help defender. Um, I mean, Josh Jackson's got length. They have, like, a lot of guys who have defensive promise but aren't necessarily great defenders. Detroit is actually, I think, around – yeah, they're league average in defense right now. They're 15th. Their offense is where they struggle, but um, their defense has actually been, I think, better over the last month in the Pacers defense. It's right around there. Um, Just worth noting. But uh, point being, it's going to be a good game. I'm excited to watch it. Should be a good one for the Pacers. Um, To everyone listening, thank you for listening. I know this was a a pretty all-over-the-place episode. Uh, I normally don't do solos, but I'd love to get any feedback you have, any questions, comments, thoughts, anything sent my way. Again, I'm doing the uh, fake trade pod tomorrow. I have some ideas for stuff that – uh, we might be doing it over at IC during the trade deadline, so uh, keep your eyes and ears out for that. Uh, but be sure, be, b, be, be, gosh, I can't, I forgot how to speak. Uh, be sure to rate and review us over at Apple Podcasts. Um, that really helps us out. We're uh, we're over 50 reviews. Would love to get to like 75 by the end of the season, something like that. I think that's doable and attainable. Um, but most importantly, I just I'd love any kind of feedback, engagement, anything from you guys. I always want to talk. always want to um, shoot the breeze with you guys, talk hoops. So uh, be sure to follow me over on Twitter if you don't already. And most importantly, just have a good rest of your day and go Pacers.